Hello, TD Fantasy listeners. Jamie Eisner here telling you about the ultimate fantasy football draft experience. You've heard us talk about it on the show before. Fantasy football at sea. Think about what you were doing this past draft night. Were you just sitting on your couch? Were you stuck at the office hoping your boss didn't see you? That's no fun at all. Isn't fantasy football supposed to be fun? Why not upgrade and do your 2019 draft on a cruise to the Bahamas where you can get the best advice and party with the top fantasy analysts and former NFL players? Beach, sun, fantasy football, TD Fantasy will be there. That is a tough combo to beat. Go to fantasyfootballatsea.com for more information and learn how you can book today. It's the TD Fantasy. The TD Fantasy Podcast. TD Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome to the TD Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we have a lot of injuries to discuss, as usually happens as the season progresses. And we are, a lot of people are either starting the fantasy playoffs. They're getting close to starting the fantasy playoffs. This is kind of that crunch time. So these are some pretty big impact uh, injuries here. When we're talking about Andy Dalton, we'll start with him. He's placed on IR today. The The biggest part of this is because Andy Dalton's not exactly been a great fantasy quarterback. It's more so the impact around him. How is this going to impact the offensive players that are starting in everybody's league? So, guys, how are we looking at this from Joe Mixon's standpoint, from A.J. Green, from Boyd, who's been very usable? How are you guys looking at this from a, from an impact standpoint? I think it probably hurts Boyd and Green a little bit. I think it probably helps Mixon. Uh, you know, one of a quarterback's best friends is being able to dump it off to a steady running back. And I think they're going to lean on lean pretty heavy on trying to run it. Uh, moving forward, they they had a lot of success the other day in the second half. Boyd still had a really nice game. Uh, if and when he, I think it could affect when AJ Green comes back as well. I mean, this team has problems. Uh, their defense is not very good, so it probably hurts the receivers. I think it probably helps Mixon. Yeah, that's kind of my assessment as well. I, I think it hurts AJ Green a bit when he comes back. He's probably not going to be in wide receiver one territory when he's there. Uh, Boyd will continue to be in that wide receiver two flex spot. Uh, for John Ross, John Ross's value goes off the board the second AJ Green comes back anyway. Uh, I don't really think this affects a ton else. I think Mixon's going to continue to get his. I still feel like they don't use him enough sometimes in the second half. They were a little bit better about that this week when Driscoll was in, but we'll we'll continue to see. But I don't think it's going to have a major impact. It's not going to change whether or not you're starting AJ Green, Boyd, or Mixon when you're playing. They're all going to be starting as per usual. All right, let's talk about some of the other injuries. Uh, as an Eric Ebron owner, owner I know that now with Jack Doyle out it's just going to mean more fantasy perspective more eating for Eric Ebron obviously if you're a Jack Doyle owner he's going to be it's a kidney injury yeah I believe he was in the hospital I believe yeah so this as a if you're a Jack Doyle owner you're going to need to go out and find somebody else that's going to be able to help you out there and I know Jamie your guy Melvin Gordon has an injury so I'll let you uh I'll let you cry on the podcast about your guy Melvin Gordon quick point on the Jack Doyle injury uh, I don't think it actually increases Ebron's value terribly much I think you're going to continue to get what you get they're using him basically as a wide receiver and yep. a big red zone threat um it's not a one-to-one comparison but they're using him a lot like the Saints used to use Jimmy Graham in terms of the way they line him up uh, I would take a flyer on Mo Ali Cox uh Andrew Luck has shown some a rapport with him so far he's been they've been throwing to the tight ends a bunch he's now get a lot of snaps. I, I think he's a player that could end up being a little bit fancy relevant for you if the tight end waiver wire is there. 
The other side, Melvin Gordon's going to miss a couple weeks, at least, what, two to four weeks, I think, uh, with an MCL sprain is what they believe. So obviously it's terrible timing for fantasy owners. He's probably not going to be useful early in the fantasy playoffs. He might be back for the fantasy championship. Um, if you handcuffed him with Austin Eckler, you're going to be pretty happy. Or if you happen to own Austin Eckler like I have, and I kind of hung on to him through some of the lean games the last few weeks, yeah. you're going to be very happy. He's going to be in RB2 territory coming up. Um, if you didn't, you're going to be in a little bit of trouble. You're going to have to find a way to get around that uh, until he can come back in a couple weeks. Let's talk about these games, all right? Uh, Giants-Eagles, the Eagles pull one off here. I thought the Giants were going to get it done. Uh, seemed like Eli was forcing, trying to force the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. a few times where it just wasn't there. Uh, Evan Ingram is a guy we also wanted to mention oh, yeah. with an injury issue, so we can mention it here. He's optimistic he's going to play next week. I'm not. Uh, yeah. He also hasn't been terribly effective. This is just going to kind of be a lost year for him. We'll, we'll come back next year and kind of rank him at the bottom of our top 10 going into the season. It's kind of in that, well, Jordan Reed can always get a good, good game kind of a territory, but not much to worry about right now. You probably weren't relying on him. Uh, Jake, what did you think about this game? What are, what's, what are your thoughts on Giants-Eagles as they took the victory 25-22 over the Giants? I thought the Giants completely gave one away. I hated their offensive game plan in the second half. I mean, you're absolutely running it down their throat, and Saquon Barkley gets five touches in the second half. When you have a lead, it made no sense to me at all. They completely went away from what was working. It's not like the Eagles made drastic changes to what they were doing. I just thought they gave it away. They had it in hand. I, I didn't like going for two on the first drive. That made no sense to me at all. They lost a point there. The Eagles went for two later and got theirs. All of that made a giant difference in the game. Uh, their defense hung in there. They're right there, you know, giving up 20 points a game. They're playing decent, but I hated the offensive game plan moving forward after they got up in the second half. Yeah, I'm with you, Jake. I, I'm baffled by this. I don't understand how you can spend the number two overall pick on Saquon Barkley, him, having him average eight yards a carry during this game, and then completely with a lead in the second half, abandon the run. I, I just do not understand it. Uh, I, I know the Eagles had issues in their secondary. I mean, they had quarterbacks or backup quarterbacks playing corner uh, in the secondary this week in practice. But still, Saquon Barkley is the best player you have on the team. And yes, that includes Eldon Beckham Jr. I think Saquon is the best player right now. and He was the best player in that game. you got to go to him. On the Philadelphia side, if you picked up Josh Adams in the last couple of weeks, you're pretty happy. It looks like they're finally going to – Ride one running back and kind of see how they go. Uh, Adams had uh, 22 carries in this game. I think that's the most the Eagles running backs had in some time because usually they're splitting it. Yeah, the Eagles get a much-needed victory as this division seems like it's still up for grabs, especially after the Alex Smith injury for the Washington Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys continue. This is going to be an interesting division as we as we continue on. Uh, the Bills get a victory 24-21. This officially puts the nail in the coffin to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They fired their offensive coordinator. Some changes are obviously going to happen there. Uh, this is – Listen, from a fantasy perspective, you've got to be losing your mind when Leonard Fournette does what he does and gets tossed from the game. Uh, I know that Jake is a Leonard Fournette owner. I don't know if he was starting him in that game, but I know that fantasy owners were probably not very happy with Fournette in that moment. Yeah, I had him in there. He had 25.8 points when he went out with this stupid-ass fighting incident. I mean, it's still amazing to me how guys in the NFL get in fights by throwing punches at helmets. That's just the dumbest damn thing I've ever seen, especially when you come off the bench to do it. Yeah, it wasn't even a play. <laughs> yeah, just crazy. But the Jaguars completely gave this game away. They score a touchdown, it gets called back. They get a false start. They score a touchdown. It gets called. Whatever happened there, it gets called back. They end up missing a field goal, and they lose the game. Like, this, they had this thing in hand. It was just an absolute – what a, just a bad team playing bad, stupid decisions all the way around. 
Uh, and then they fire Nathaniel Hackett. He takes the bullet today and, and the scapegoat for everything going on. I, it's just uh, it's a shame. Give the Bills defense credit, man. They have been really good under the radar all year. The Bills could end up with five wins before this is over with. Yeah, and, you know, we both had this game as one of our locks this week that we didn't hit on. And it just that whole sequence of events, just from a, both a fantasy perspective for you and Leonard Fournette, uh, or a gambling perspective, if you had Jaguars minus three or the over in the game, was a, just a complete disaster uh, of a scenario there. And, and look, Fournette got his. He should have stayed in that game. Bortles was going to be benched now going forward. Cody Kessler is going to be the starter. You just don't want to do with any of this stuff fantasy-wise. Josh Allen was up and down. Like He ran the ball really well. He made one just absolutely phenomenal throw. When he was just he was getting hit at all angles, and he, made, he drops one in. Uh, to make it 14 nothing was a brilliant throw, but otherwise was very erratic. One thing to note, as Jake pointed out, Buffalo's defense. There's an article up on TDFantasy.com right now. We're going to promote it a lot tomorrow and Wednesday for waivers. Uh, it's time to start thinking about fantasy defenses for the playoffs and look yep. at the matchups ahead. And if you look at the matchups from week 14 through 16, Buffalo has some interesting options there. So that might be a team that if you're weak at the DST spot or if you've been streaming all year, you might want to – Get, be out a week in advance and maybe claim the Buffalo Bills defense. Yeah, it's smart to start looking ahead, especially from a defensive perspective for the next couple of weeks. All right, uh, probably one of the most entertaining games of the weekend was the Seahawks and Panthers game that seemed to go back and forth for most of the game. A little Russell Wilson magic gets things done. They win 30-27 to to stay alive in the NFC if they want to make the postseason. Jake, what did you think about this game? Well, when I wrote it down on Tuesday, I wrote down Seahawks 30-27. to And then I changed it when we did it, and I put Panthers 31-27 because I just thought they had enough to get it done at home. Hell of a game, a ton of excitement. Russell Wilson, give him credit. Man, they have a running game, and he's out there playing with a smile because of it. And they're alive. Their schedule coming down the stretch is not very, uh, not very tough, but like Lockett has continued to be their number one guy. Chris Carson's running the ball. Russell Wilson's making plays. On the other side, Christian McCaffrey with a giant day. D.J. Moore played really well. Cam played really well. The bottom line is Carolina's defense is not what it's been in the past. They are not the same defense, and they're giving up a ton, and they are in trouble. I told you I thought they might make the playoffs and lose one game. I don't think they make it now. Yeah, Carolina's defense has been a massive disappointment the last – not necessarily all season. It's been close, but the last month or so. I mean, they it just doesn't seem like whatever Cam Newton does, they just cannot stay in games. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey having just a monster game. Uh, DJ Moore, uh, Curtis Samuel caught a touchdown this game. I know he's been a trendy pickup. Uh, he might have uh, some interesting value down the stretch. Uh, a guy in Seattle I want to talk about a little bit is David Moore. Um, he caught. He was four for one hundred three in a touchdown this game. It's been interesting since week nine. He is the third most targeted player on the Seahawks and has run the second most routes. Uh, it's very interesting that he seems to be on the field a lot. Russell Wilson is looking his way a lot. He hasn't converted on a lot of those targets. It's because again, he only has about. He only has like 13 catches in that span, but he's someone to keep an eye out on the waiver wire if you need a deep, deep pickup. Yeah, and if as injuries continue to happen, we get to this part of the season where sometimes it's a good time to start looking at that bench and making sure you have some guys that are going to be able to play for you in the postseason. Uh, Raiders-Ravens, a game I could skip because I don't care about talking about the Raiders ever, but the Ravens do get a victory uh, that they need to stay alive in the AFC. They win 34-17. Uh, Jamie, I'll let you go first here. Your thoughts on Ravens Raiders? Well, it happened. Uh, now, uh, <laughs> uh, look, I mean, this this Gus Edwards Lamar Jackson combo is paying off for fantasy owners right now. Um, I don't know. There's still a lot of uncertainty about Joe Flacco when he's going to come back, if he's going to come back. 
so right now you keep riding it while you can. As long as Lamar Jackson's playing, Gus Edwards is in RB2 flex territory, another 118 yards on the ground in this game. Again, Lamar Jackson's not throwing the ball terribly well, but he's running for enough yards. He had 71 yards and a rushing touchdown in this game. So he, he is a legit top 15 quarterback option w- with all those pieces around him. In Oakland, it's just a complete disaster everywhere you look. Uh, I mean, really, Doug Martin is a flex play. Jalen Richard, those are the only guys that are even remotely startable on that team. It, it's just not it's not going well on that team, and you basically want to look and see who Oakland is playing down the stretch and places they play the defense against them. Yep. Jake? You know, I, I, th- I like the, the, the combo moving forward uh, of Lamar Jackson and Edwards. I mean, it's one of those things I talk about all the time. You give defensive coordinators an offseason to get ready for it, it it's not going to work next year. They're gonna, he's going to have to develop as a quarterback. But right now in season, when you're only going back now, two weeks now and you don't have full, you know, full, a full four to six weeks of tape and they're going into Atlanta – I love the matchup. I think Lamar, I think they both have a monster day this week moving forward in Atlanta and probably moving forward after that. The weather's bad and running the read option and stopping the read option in the NFL, not a lot of teams are built for it. It's an NFL team running it. I like them moving forward. I, I think Lamar Jackson can stay in that top 15 category. Like, like Jamie said, I think he probably is in the top 10 this week in Atlanta because I think he's going to run wild. Um, there's no point in even bringing anything else up about the Raiders. They're just awful. And that team beat the Arizona Cardinals at home last week. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. And we'll get to that Arizona Cardinal game because my, oh, my, was that ugly. Uh, that was a weird, a very strange game. But we're going to talk Buccaneers, 49ers, another game that I could skip over. Uh, but we'll talk about it quickly. 27-9 final score in Tampa Bay. Jake, what did you take away from this game? I thought Jameis Winston played well. Uh, he has that that chemistry with the tight end. So that, that you know, that paid dividends if you, if you went that route. He also – uh, has uh, you know has that, that chemistry with Humphrey, so that paid off. Um, Deshaun Jackson moving forward probably not an option. Uh, Mike Evans another big day. Peyton Barber a decent day. I mean, Tampa's put up numbers on everybody. I think they're going to continue to do that. Uh, George Kittle, thank God, got a couple late and helped me out. Um, not a lot going on on that that Forty ers offense. I mean, Brita, you know they're they're still splitting carries and doing different stuff. They, they're, they're beat to hell. I mean they're just they don't have that much left. They're going up to Seattle this week. That's going to be ugly. Uh, but yeah, this game was was nothing special to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Breed and Kittle are really the only startable 49ers going forward. That's not going to change. Uh, Tampa, I actually thought you know I, I've been very critical of Jameis Winston in the past. I thought this is one of the best games I've ever seen him play at the NFL level, particularly early on. I mean, he was on his throws were on. Uh, look, this. They get, like, like Jake said, Tampa Bay offense is going to put up points against anybody, no matter what. Uh, and, you know, Peyton Barber didn't get a ton of work in this game, uh, but he, or excuse me, wasn't t- terribly effective with the ton of work that he got in this game, 18 carries, but he did get in the end zone. But yeah, Adam Humphreys, if he's still available, that's a play that has a lot of chemistry with Jameis Winston going back to last season. Just someone to keep an eye on if you need help at wide receiver. Worth to mention on the San Francisco 49ers that the difference between how you win the draft in April and how you actually win the draft. When they left the draft, Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster were said they were said to have won that draft. Reuben Foster is no longer on the San Francisco 49ers for issues that we will not discuss here. And Solomon Thomas has been nearly the word I'm looking at the news. Jim Lynch doesn't want to use the word bust, but he's pretty close to being a bust. So it's worth to mention. I know a lot of teams are starting to pay attention because they're out of contention on who are they going to draft. College football season's you know wrapped up for the regular season. 
nobody wins the draft in April. This is your this is your reminder that nobody wins the draft in April. And go look at some of the fourth round picks in Chicago that are making a difference this year. Uh, speaking of the the draft, the number one overall pick this year, Baker Mayfield, is finally the chains of it. He's been released from Hugh Jackson's control uh, and wanted to put on a little show in front of Hugh Jackson. If you saw post game his comments and also how he reacted, he didn't take too kindly to Hugh Jackson leaving so quickly and going over to play within the division and coach within the division. Uh, he puts up 35 points. They win 35-20. Obviously, we talked about Andy Dalton already. But, man, oh, man, it's fun to watch Baker Mayfield. It really is. And, I, look, I have two thoughts on the Baker Mayfield postgame Hugh Jackson comments. One is I love Baker and I love everything he does, so I'm not going to be too critical. But, two, dude, you transferred within the Big 12. Relax yeah. with the hypocrisy just a little bit here. <laughs> But you know what? It doesn't matter. You know why? Because Baker Mayfield is balling right now. He looked excellent early in that game. Uh, this this looks like a completely different Cleveland offense. And again, Hugh Jackson was supposed to be a genius. Uh, was not able to fully unlock this. Nick Chubb looks really good again. That he has been uh, fully released. The only player that's really not kind of getting his is Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry hasn't really gotten his under this new. Uh, slightly new offensive regime yet, uh, but you gotta love what Cleveland's able to do. They just went; they had won a road game in 25 straight tries. Like that's wow. unbelievable. Uh, and then and Cincinnati and Driscoll make a comeback late, but the Browns were the far superior team uh, throughout this game. On the Cincinnati side, again, Mixon Mixon looked really good. Boyd Looker, I'd like to see Mixon being used in that passing game a little bit more. I think I know they have Gio Bernard, but Joe Mixon can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I feel that's an underutilized element of his game. Um, most weeks. But uh, Jake, what do you think about this game? I'm going to give the credit to Freddie Kitchens and sticking with the run and being consistent with giving Nick Chubb the ball. Chubb has looked fantastic. He had 28 carries in this. Some of that was kind of garbage late, but he had 20 when it mattered. And everything Baker Mayfield did was off of the running game because the running game was successful. They stuck with it. He had no pass rush in his face. He had guys wide open all over the place because they were successful and run the ball. They play action off of it. I think Freddie Kitchens did a hell of a job taking over, calling plays in Cleveland. This offense looks completely different. Jarvis Landry is a possession guy, run after the catch guy, bubble screen guy, and they've kind of gone away from that. They're running it out of the shotgun. They still have the RPOs and stuff, but they're not. he's not the one running those slants and, and all that stuff off of it. So Njoku, Callaway gets in the end zone. I mean, I think the Browns' offense is for real. I'm really glad I picked up Nick Chubb about a month ago. I agree with you 100% on, on Joe Mixon that he can absolutely catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he needs to be the focal point of that offense moving forward. Everything needs to go through him. I picked up Baker Mayfield a couple of weeks ago because I had a bye week, and uh, now he's become the starter and I'm in my fantasy league with my buddies uh, back home because he has completely outperformed uh, who I was starting. Matthew Stafford, not naming any names. Uh, Detroit, you've been terrible. Uh, Patriots, Jets. This was a game for a little while. This was a game for a yeah. little while, a short while. Uh, and then the Patriots take control and win 27-13 in New York. Jake, uh, the thing with the Jets has been they play better at home. Uh, they've their, their defense has been okay. But at the same time, this division, this rivalry has been one-sided for a long time. And uh, the conversation surrounding New England has been a – uh, that they're getting a little older, that maybe it's time, but I think that conversation should probably end. I don't think so. I don't think the Patriots are what they've been in the past. They, it definitely helped having a, a healthy Gronk back, helped in the running game, helped all the way around. 
the Jets have given up a bunch on the run the last couple of weeks. That defense is not playing as good, but they're at least playing spirited football. You compare that roster to what's going on in Arizona, both of which are going to be 90 and $100 million under the cap. The Jets are at least playing hard. They are just way overwhelmed and overmanned uh, for who they're playing. They have no weapons on offense. Like Isaiah Crowell is your starter, and you've got nothing else. Anunua back helps, but he's just a guy. I mean, they got nothing on that offense to be able to go. And this was a game for a while. They're playing hard. The Patriots look good. Don't get me wrong, but they're not what they've been in the past. To me, they got to have a healthy ground because they have no chance moving forward. Yeah, on the Patriot on the Patriots side of things, I think the one thing that could be dangerous for them is, is this established run game. I mean, Sony Michelle, when he is healthy, yeah. is running the ball so, as effectively as I've ever seen a Patriots running back ever run. Yep. Uh, it's just he's got to stay healthy. I mean, I know he got nicked up in this game a little bit. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be any any sort of a long-term thing, but something to keep an eye on. Uh, something else to keep an eye on is it looks like Rex Burkhead's going to come off IR this week. So he might be on your waiver wire. If you just want to take a big flyer, uh, again, Sony Michelle is one tweak of that knee away from Rex Burkhead being a solid flex play. So that's it, a potential option for you there. Um, obviously, Edelman is getting his. Gronk finally caught a touchdown for the first time since week one. It was desperately needed. Uh, I still think if you're a Gronk owner like me, you have to roster a second tight end going in the postseason. You have to if you can find a really good option out there. To me, right now, I'm I'm keeping Gerald Everett on my roster uh, just in case because you do not want to be scrambling when the matchup matters. On the Jets side, uh, let me tell you a little story. Uh, so there's a sequence of uh, of how like betting is the worst thing in the world. Okay. So, do you remember that that sequence? The Jets at the very end of the game are getting inside the five. They're running the plays, and they have Jermaine Curse gets slightly open in the end zone, kind of drops it, kind of gets broken up a fourth down. So that only cost me like two hundred dollars that job. So that's why uh, gambling is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you had the uh, you had the Jets covering? They had like a tease. I had a bunch of things happening, but that sequence of events there. Uh, if he catches that ball, I, I have two hundred more dollars in my pocket than I do today. So, so I hold him personally responsible. So what he's saying is, Jermaine Curse, we are not a fan of you. Yeah, the I, TV I would fantasy like a, podcast is out on you. I would like a two. Yeah, you had six for sixty-six and one touchdown. I needed seven for seventy and two. Yeah, That's thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Curse. Uh, the other game we alluded to uh, just a few minutes ago that I would love to skip, but we are going to talk about it mostly because I want to hear Jake's thoughts. Uh, Cardinals at LA Chargers. They go up ten nothing. I turned it off at ten nothing. What happened? Yeah, they went up 10-0, and then uh, they didn't score any more points, and the Chargers put the pedal to the metal and went up 45-10, to final score. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this game? I'm going to start with the Chargers. Uh, they started slow again, which which worried me a little bit because this team really should have bounced back and really been ready to go. But they, they damn sure got it going. They got their engines revved, and they rolled the rest of the game. The one team I think can sustain Melvin Gordon being out for a couple weeks is the Chargers. I think they can go more shotgun. They can play Eckler. They can get some guys to take some of those carries. Gordon was playing sensational. But I think they can get it done. Not Maybe not necessarily this week against the Steelers, but I think they can hold their position in the wild card, move forward. I think he gets back in probably two to three weeks. Now, they looked good. Give them credit. Phillip Rivers, absolutely phenomenal. That was damn fun to watch him break that record because he was throwing it all over the place and guys were making plays. The Cardinals defense went from top seven five years in a row to dead last against the run, and they just suck. They are awful. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. 25 straight completions. Give Byron Leftwich credit. I thought he game planned the, the opening sequence very nice. I thought his, his script was really good. They went right down the field, pretty easily scored a touchdown, kicked a field goal, missed a field goal, and the wheels fell off, and they gave up 45 points unanswered. They don't even look like they're playing hard because as soon as it went to 21-10, 
and they knew they weren't in it anymore, you just saw guys' heads dropping the exact opposite of what you saw from the Jets. Those guys were at least playing their tails off to the end. They were playing hard. They're just outmanned. The Cardinals have decent talent. That roster is not bad. They just don't care. They're, they're losing games. They're getting down, and then they just, they're quitting. They're quitting, and it just, it just pisses me off, and it's hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, there's really no other way to sugarcoat it. The Cardinals is the Cardinals defense, in particular, right now is is unlike I've seen in in a decade. Uh, this is not the, the defense I was used to seeing uh, playing. On the Chargers side, I, I think you're looking at if you own Austin Eckler. We talked about this earlier. I think he had a huge game here. He had ten catches. Um, I know he wasn't great in that London game uh, where Melvin Gordon did not play. He was the featured back, but I don't. Again, nothing that happens in London matters to me. And I, 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 everything that happens away from yeah, we subscribe to that from the United States. It just it doesn't matter in terms of NFL. Weird things happen over there, um, so I'm not worried about that too much. Uh, I'm not picking up Justin Jackson, but I think he's going to get certainly going to get some carries. Uh, obviously, Keenan Allen had the big game. Mike Williams continues to be the boomer bust guy. Like yeah. he had four. By the way, him getting four catches in the game right now feels like a, a godsend because usually he's got one or two, but he has a nose for the end zone. They are going to him into the end zone. He got two touchdowns in this game. I don't think you're ever going to feel confident starting him, but he's just someone to keep an eye out for. Okay, the next game uh, was extremely frustrating to watch for me. Uh, I'm not a Steelers fan, but I was. I was hoping that they would kind of. I picked them to play in the Super Bowl, so I keep rooting for them to kind of. Show me that they are that team. They lose this game 24-17. That was, it was a head-scratcher. There were moments that were extremely frustrating. Uh, James Washington dove for a football that he should have just kept running and caught the football. Uh, reminded remember, me of watching high, baseball. Or a high school friend. Like, you play football, like, whether you're high school buddies and everybody wants to make that, like, sports center play. So you start diving for things. I was like, do. what are you diving at, dude? Just run and catch the ball and score a touchdown. Uh, yeah, this was just a frustrating game. From a fantasy perspective, you love Juju's huge touchdown. He had a great game. Uh, as an Antonio Brown owner, uh, it was an average game. It wasn't a, wasn't a great game. Uh, Jake, what did you see in this game? Average at best for AB, huge day for Juju. I don't like that they're throwing it 50 times a game. They got on this, this winning streak of six straight by running James Conner and running him a bunch. He hasn't looked very good the last couple of weeks and a, a defense that he should have been able to have a pretty big day on. I was a little disappointed in that. But that being said, Randy Fickner caught a hell of a game. He dialed up a wide-open touchdown to Grundle, who all he's got to do is make one move, and he scores a touchdown. He tries to run the dude over and gets blasted and fumbles through the end zone. The Steelers dominated this game and absolutely handed it over and gave it away. They had a chance to, to tie it again late. Bad snap. Ben makes a panic play, throws the pick. It was just very disappointing. The Steelers are not the same on the road, and these are the games that have bitten them in the ass in the past because they lose, and then they have to go on the road in the AFC Championship or in the second round, and they're just not the same team away from Heinz Field. Emmanuel Sanders, big day. That was fun to watch. I think that's going to continue for them. And these rookies for the Broncos are a hell of a lot of fun to watch, man. Lindsey, uh, Cortland Sutton, I mean, they're playing well. The Broncos aren't out of it. And they're, they missed a 51-yarder three weeks ago to, to lose the game. They've now won two straight against the Chargers and the Steelers. Don't count them out. They're playing really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the Broncos were an eight-win team when the season started. I think that's where they end up getting to. I think, I think their schedule gets a lot easier. I think they can easily win three of those, three of those final five games. Uh, I would honestly I, – I never thought I would say this, but I think there's – I'm going to give serious consideration – to Philip Lindsay over Saquon in terms of rookie of the year. That guy gets seven yards every time he touches the ball. Yep. He was averaging defense, eight yards per carry in that game. Doesn't matter what the situation is, doesn't matter what defense. 
All that guy does is get touches. I don't know why he does not use more. He's only got 14 carries in this game when they were winning for the most part, and he was just ripping off big runs any opportunity. Again, I think he needs to be used a little bit more. Sanders had the big game. For Steelers, this is the stuff. This is what the Steelers do that just frustrates the hell out of me. That this is an elite team that goes on the road and makes these, I mean, boneheaded mistakes. And, and I don't fully understand it. I, I love the fake field goal play call uh, with Chris Boswell throwing the touchdown there. So if you actually started your kicker this week, you got an extra uh, four points there. So that, that's pretty nice to have. But, yeah, I mean, it's just I, – I look at the Steelers team and, and I, I wonder, can they win the Super Bowl with a team that makes these types of mistakes? I'll tell you, Jamie, I, I thought they could with that six-game win streak. The defense looked like the old Steelers defense. They had two outside linebackers standing up, a nose tackle, a true 3-4 a lot of the time. One middle linebacker, if they were going nickel, they looked like – and they were stopping the run. This week, they looked like they went right back to what they did early in the season when they were just god-awful playing a lot more zone, and they couldn't stop the run at all. I mean, for the Steelers to give up seven, eight yards of carry to a guy Lindsay's size. And I think that's probably why he doesn't get more carries, by the way, is I don't know that he could take that much of the load. It's just mind-blowing to me. They were playing so good on defense that I thought, okay, now they've figured it out. They're now middle-of-the-pack defense, and with that offense, that's all they need. If that defense plays like it did on yesterday, I don't think they can get out of the second round of the playoffs. No, and as we continue to scoreboard watch, the Chiefs are 9-2. and two. Steelers now lost their third game. If the Chiefs went out, they're, they're going to have to go. If they want to If they want to get to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to go to Kansas City. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not picking that team to go into Kansas City and win. And let's also talk about there are two. I mean, if the Texans win tonight, you have two eight and three teams that are also there. Yep. So now all of a sudden you're you're not even getting a first round bye. You're gonna have to start. You have to play somebody in rounds one and two. Yep. yep. It's it's getting it's getting closer. The AFC is starting to catch up to the NFC with competitiveness. Uh, Dolphins go on the road. The Colts get it done, 27-24. I don't. I become a pseudo Colts fan because I'm rooting for Andrew Luck. Let's talk about this because there's a very strong chance the Steelers are going to have to host Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts in the yep. first round of the postseason. That is not a fun scenario for anybody that has to host the Colts if no, they get there. No, I think when we look at this game, we have to talk about Andrew Luck and the fact that he didn't play football for what a year and some change, oh, yeah. almost yeah. five hundred something days. Or yeah, whatever it was. and has come back and been the Andrew Luck of old. Uh, it's God, it's fun watching him play. As we mentioned earlier, Jack Doyle will be out for some time with a kidney injury. Um, but Eric Ebron's being used. I think that you'll continue to be happy with that. He has Jay- more touchdowns now than he had this entire tenure in Detroit. Uh, this season you leave Detroit and good things happen I think that's that's the moral of the story Jake what did you see in this game T.Y. Hilton got his I mean his his chemistry with Andrew Luck is phenomenal he's going to hit him deep they're going to dial some stuff up Frank Wright's doing a hell of a job with this offense this offensive line's playing really really well Marlon Mack continues to get his a little bit down week from him from what he's been doing but I think he's going to bounce back and be just fine Ebron I agree with Jamie I don't know that Doyle playing or doesn't playing takes anything away from Ebron because they're using him as a basically a receiver um, Colts are a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I mean, B.A. said it a month ago when he, he called the Colts at the Jets. He said, I would not want to play this team in November moving forward. When T.Y. comes back healthy, they're going to be dangerous. And damn, was he right. They look really good. Give the Dolphins credit, man. There's no reason why they should be in a lot of these games or even being close to winning any of these games. And they just they keep hanging around. They're stingy as hell. Their secondary is playing pretty well. The defense is playing pretty well. Frank Horst still around the rock pretty good. Uh, they're hanging in there. Yeah, and the Dolphins are that, like, seven-win team that plays solid defense and doesn't turn the ball over, so they're in every game. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's – and you know what? They they're, they're a slightly less – they're a slightly less talented Denver. They're a team – I don't think they have quite as many weapons, 
on both sides of the ball. I don't think they have quite as many weapons, but they just they do they don't turn the ball over a lot, and they do a lot of things solid. So they are in these games. Frank Gore still looks like the best running back when they're running the ball there, but I'm glad to see Kenny Drake getting some more play in the passing game. Tannehill looked pretty good for not playing football for, what, a month, month and a half? Uh, yeah, almost two months. He looked pretty good. But, yeah, I mean, this is just – Miami is what they are right now. I think they're just – as the talent level that they have is they are a seven-ish win team, and I think yeah. that's where they're going to end up. They're going to they're gonna play everybody tough as they have in most weeks. Uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, final score 24-17. I, I I thought we would get more fight from this Green Bay team in this game because this is pretty much a must-win game for this team. And they go into Minnesota, and listen, the McCarthy-fired hot train has been taken to a new level. Right, after he's, this. he's gone. Yeah, he's, gone. he's not going to be coaching unless by some miracle they win every game and make the playoffs. But even then, they're going to need some help. Uh, it, winning out isn't going to be enough. So, Jake, when you look at this game, did you expect to see more? There's been a lot of conversation by national pundits today that we we cut Aaron Rodgers a little bit too much slack. Do you think that's true? And uh, were you surprised to see them go in and lose this game? I wasn't surprised at all. I picked the Vikings 28-24. Uh, I thought I'd see a little bit more fight from the Packers, but they don't. They have a bad roster. They don't have a lot of weapons. Aaron Rodgers is playing just fine. He's playing like Aaron Rodgers, but who the hell is he throwing it to? Other than Devontae Adams, they get two rookies who are learning what the hell to do. Jimmy Graham's hurt. The offensive line's okay. Uh, either Bakhtiari or one of those guys, one of those tackles got hurt again. He's out. The defense is just whatever. And the Vikings' defense is starting to round into form as we're approaching the playoffs. So I'd watch out for them moving forward. That Vikings offense, really good again. They throw it. Dalvin Cook coming back and being healthy will make this team a completely different animal moving forward. We know about Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph. Um but, yeah, I mean, the Packers, we talked about it earlier. Jamie had the greatest line ever with Andrew Luck, who was a 12-1 quarterback on a two-win team with the Colts. They look like they've found some players here and there, and that offensive line is playing really well. could be the other way around. When we had a 16-win quarterback in Aaron Rodgers on a team that without him, with him, won four games. With him, without him, did they win a game at all? I don't like the roster at all. I know it doesn't surprise me that we didn't see a lot more fight because I don't think they're very good. Yeah, and look, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is a lot more hurt than he's letting on. Because he doesn't quite look like the Aaron Rodgers of years past. I think he's hurt. Right? I think everyone, for whatever reason, forgot how badly he got hurt week one. And I feel like that never happened. I don't feel like that's getting talked about enough. Like, he's basically playing on one and a half legs at best um, at this point. And, yeah, the roster, and Aaron Jones looks good. Uh, Devontae Adams is good, but that's about it. Uh, that's, that's really all they have right now. Uh, I mean, they got Valdez Scantling had some good games a few weeks back, but he's been non-existent the last couple of weeks. Apparently, Sean Payton's the only one that can ever figure out how to use Jimmy Graham because nobody else. Pete yeah. Carroll and Mike McCarthy have tried with great, with really with Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks, and, and can't haven't out. been able to get that that job done. The one thing on Green Bay I do want to point out is Jair Alexander's playing out of his mind as yep. a rookie. He had that great play on that screen breakup. Uh, he he's an awesome, awesome player. Minnesota side, you know what you're going to get. This was actually a big game for Kirk Cousins because there's been a lot of talk about when Kirk Cousins faces good teams. Now, I don't think the Packers are a good team, but they're good enough. Cousins is kind of beaten up on the, the bad teams throughout his career. Yeah, he's 5-21 and 21 against teams above 500. No, the Packers aren't above 500, <laughs> no. so that doesn't get to add to that. But that's still a game. It's a Packers-Vikings game at home, Sunday Night Football, it's a divisional matchup. That's a huge game for them. That's the type of moment you want to see Kirk Cousins starting to excel in, and he has in this game. Yeah, and the type of moments you're going to need from him if they want to be the team that they expect it to be going into this season. Aaron Rodgers has thrown 20 touchdowns and has one interception. I think it's the quietest 
20 touchdown, one interception season will probably ever have because if he was on any other team, they would probably not only be in postseason contention, but probably leading the division. And that's, he just happens to be on a really, really poor team. And trust me, it's very hard for me to say nice things about anybody in Green Bay. But I think at this point, to point the finger at Aaron Rodgers is he's not absolutely problem. ludicrous. He is not the problem. No, he's definitely not the problem. And trust me, there are a lot of teams that would like to take that problem off your hand, Green Bay, if you start if you start getting, uh, getting a little crazy over there. Uh, Monday Night Football tonight, Titans, Texans. Uh, the Titans have been one of those teams that have won, and we can't quite figure them out. The Texans are a team that want to keep winning here. They've had some good weeks. They keep getting better, keep seven getting healthier. They've won seven in a row. They're a team that wants to keep pace, though, because they would love to host a game in the playoffs. And look, a bye is not out of the question. Yeah. I mean, they win. They have the same record as the Patriots, and they'll be a half game better than the Steelers. And they'll be one game behind the Chiefs. So, again, I don't think they're of those caliber yet. I think they're they're very close to those teams. But you take advantage of the schedule that's in front of you and take advantage of a division that's in front of you. Also, by the way, you lose this game and all of a sudden you're looking back at the Colts and you're going, eh, you know, they're only a game back behind us and we have to play them again. And all of a sudden that you go from thinking about what the two seed looks like, thinking about what the five or six seed looks like. So this is a big game for them. Tennessee, they're right in there with that Denver-Miami category. They play solid defense and they don't turn the ball over. And I think that's a formula for mediocre teams to have success. And I think that's what Tennessee is right now. I don't anticipate they're going to win this game. I don't think they have enough weapons offensively. I think Houston is clicking on all cylinders offensively themselves. I just don't see how the Titans can put up points with Houston. If Watson doesn't turn the ball over multiple times in this game, I cannot see a way the Texans don't win this game and don't cover the four-point spread. Jake? Yeah, so I agree with Jamie. I mean, the Titans playing really good defense. They're running the ball. They're not turning it over, and they're hitting big plays. Corey Davis has been really good the last four or five weeks, and they're hitting some touchdown plays. The Texans, on the other hand, I wouldn't say they're firing on all cylinders on offense, but they're playing very complimentary football, and I think Bill O'Brien is really understanding what Deshaun Watson can and cannot do. Lamar Miller has been better the next month. I would not expect him to have a big night tonight, but I think they'll stay with it enough. I think Kiki QT could be a big factor in tonight's game. I think Hopkins is going to go off. But I think QT could get behind that defense. The one thing the Titans have not done very well is they give up a lot of big plays in the passing game, a lot of big, long touchdowns. And I think the Texans will hit a few of those. I think the Texans win 27-21. The Titans have stayed around in just about every game. But the Texans, I mean, they're stopping the run themselves, and they're putting you in third and long, and then those pass rushers are feasting. And I think that's going to happen again tonight. I think they have enough to get it done. All right. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter, Jake Arians on Instagram. Bounce back to 11-3 and three going into the night after a terrible week last week, but I will call myself out and say that two of the three losses were my two locks of the week, so I don't know what the hell is going on with that one. No, but we still overall, we were still up on our locks of the week, and so we, we went four and three in total uh, for our locks. So we still, you still made some money this week, even though it wasn't one of our perfect weeks like you've become accustomed to. It, it was still a pretty good week. You follow me on Twitter at Jamie Eisner and on Instagram at JME Eisner. And, guys, you can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on Twitter and Instagram. You should follow at TD Fantasy underscore. And, listen, it's crunch time. We're getting to the – we're getting real close. You might have already started the fantasy playoffs. I know in one of my leagues I play in a two-week playoff. We already started. This was the first week. But we're getting close to crunch time. So, hopefully you guys are listening, paying attention, and, and following along as it's time to get some of those victories and win some money. Thank you for listening to the TD Fantasy Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.